Hi, I'm Andrew J. Boyle. Welcome to North by Norway. We all saw how quickly it developed. How quickly it got disastrously out of control. First, Russia expressed its dissatisfaction with the way its neighbour was acting. It was, said Russia, a threat to the geopolitical order. Then leaders of the Russian state said that its interests were not being taken into account. Its interests were under threat. Forces were moved to the border between the two countries, on exercise according to Russia. And finally, under the cover of darkness, Russia ordered its forces across the border. They quickly occupied parts of the neighbouring country. Russian commandos were even sent in to kidnap the head of government. Images of these events are being constantly shown on screens all across the world. Russian troops crossing the border from Russia into Norway. Norway? Or did I mean Ukraine? Well, in this instance, I did mean Norway. The events I just described are a synopsis of the first episodes of the hugely popular drama series Occupied. It's the most expensive TV drama ever made in Norway, and since its premiere in 2015, has been a global favourite on Netflix and other streaming platforms. For those who haven't seen it, Occupied takes place in Norway in the near future. Hmm, considering that the first series was sent in 2015, I suppose now might be called the near future. Anyway, the climate emergency brings a Green Party to power and Norway's Prime Minister calls a halt to the country's oil and gas production. Russia, goaded by the European Union, invades and occupies Norway in order to restore activity in the North Sea. We get the Russian leader saying, We are here to protect you. We get the leader of the Norwegian resistance. There are many of us who won't sit still and watch Russians take over our country. And we get the American general. I told you specifically not to provoke the Russians. Well, there's a lot going on in 2015. For instance, we have a Ukrainian comedian called Volodymyr Zelensky starring in a TV series, Servant of the People, and playing the role of the President of Ukraine, <laughs> Imagine if that was to happen. Uh, seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Also in 2015, in another TV series, we see Norway being invaded by Russia. As it was being written, the premise of Occupied did seem as unrealistic as Zelensky becoming president. Well, apart from the general's warning about the danger of provoking the Russians, for that it certainly did. After the premiere of Occupied, 
Russia's ambassador to Norway shot off a thunderous letter to the Russian news agency, TASS. It is regrettable that the authors have seemingly forgotten about the heroic contribution of the Soviet army in the liberation of northern Norway from the Nazi occupiers and decided, in the worst Cold War tradition, to frighten Norwegian viewers with a non-existent threat from the East. Let's briefly consider those two claims by the Russian ambassador. One, that the Soviet sacrifice in Norway has been forgotten. Two, that the threat from the East is non-existent. First, well, yes, it's quite possible the ambassador has a point about the Soviet effort during the war being overlooked in Norway. He specifically mentions the liberation of northern Norway, and indeed as early as October 1944, Red Army troops pushed the Germans westwards, pushed them out of Schirkenes and liberated the most northerly region of Norway. However, the Germans were pushed further down into Norway. They became somebody else's problem. And as for Norwegians today ignoring the Soviet liberation, well, at the risk of seeming too flippant, it is a regrettable fact that absolutely everything that has happened to that most remote Arctic region has a tendency to be undervalued in the larger narratives of both wartime and contemporary Norway. Where the ambassador certainly does touch a sensitive nerve is with regards to the history of Soviet forced labour during the war. I want to quote the words of historian Ketil Yulme Andersen, who, in 2017, was the curator for a major exhibition in an Oslo museum about the fate of those prisoners of war. In relation to population size, Norway is probably the occupied country that had the largest contingency of forced labourers. More than 130,000 people were forcibly sent to work at German construction sites in Norway. Approximately 17,000 died. Soviet prisoners of war amounted to the largest group of forced labour. Their stories have only to a very small degree become a part of the Norwegian World War II narrative. Russia only borders Norway in the extreme north, a border of some 200 kilometres. Looking past the big freeze of the Cold War, since the turn of the century there has been a genuine, if cautious, thaw in relations between Norway and the big bear to the east. The two nations managed to find many ways in which to cooperate. Thanks to a fishing agreement that dates back to the 70s, Russian trawlers could land their catches in Norwegian harbours. Many towns in the far north were twinned with Russian counterparts. 
there was an ever-growing flood of Russians studying at Norwegian universities, especially in the far north. Only Sweden sent more. In 2007, Russia closed half of its army stations for border guards, and in 2010, a remarkable step forward was made with the introduction of the border permit. It allowed all people living within 30 kilometres of the Norway-Russian border to travel freely in the border area. This led to a real uptick in border trade. Norwegians crossing to Russia to buy cheap fuel, Russians coming to Shitkiness to buy clothes and electronic goods. So, in 2013, when thriller writer Jon Esper suggested the premise for the TV series Occupied, namely, a Russian invasion of Norway, the ambassador might have been justified in saying it would harm good relations between Norway and Russia. But then we come to his second point. Let me remind you of his words. It is regrettable that the authors decided to frighten Norwegian viewers with a non-existent threat from the East. It was in February 2014 that Occupied began filming, and on 27th of February, Vladimir Putin sent his forces into Crimea and later annexed this region of Ukraine. Since that date, the threat has not only been clear to Ukraine and other former Soviet states, but also to every other part of Europe. A year on, in March 2015, over 30,000 Russian troops held exercises to simulate the rapid invasion of northern Norway, as well as Finland's Orland Islands, the Danish island of Bornholm and the Swedish island of Gotland. If Russia were ever to hold all these territories, it would be nigh on impossible for NATO to come to the aid of Baltic states. It was in June that year, 2015, that policymakers were profoundly shaken by a report that came out of the United States, out of SIPA, the Centre for European Policy Analysis. It's a think tank devoted to issues of security across Europe. This report was called The Coming Storm, and in it, Scandinavia, plus the Baltic countries and Poland, were designated Europe's new frontline states. Let me read you an excerpt. The strategic incoherence of these countries and the threat this creates to NATO's credibility in the region make the security of these nations an issue of global importance. All are exposed to the Kremlin's provocations, which breach the conventions governing civilized behavior among neighbors and, in some cases, international law. These include aggressive espionage, targeted corruption of political elites and public life, propaganda onslaughts, cyber attacks, coercive use of Soviet-era energy links, aggressive surprise military exercises, and violations of airspace and maritime borders. 
This really was pretty strong stuff, and there were respected commentators in Norway who chose to dismiss it, one calling it good old-fashioned American propaganda. Well, a lot has happened since that report was published in 2015. For Ukraine, as we all know, the worst fears put forward there were realised eight months ago. Yet, almost as astonishing, NATO members and Europe have reacted in ways that both the American think tank in 2015 and Vladimir Putin in February 2022, each in different ways, would have considered preposterous. It's worth reminding ourselves of three developments that were completely unforeseen back in 2015. First, there's Germany, which had been reluctant to invest in defence, completely reversing this policy. This year, it will be doubling its defence budget. Then, there are the waves of international sanctions, revealing that Western nations were willing to stand as a block and take a hit in order to inflict a hit. Apart from the energy leverage Russia still has, the sanctions have drastically reduced the hold Russia used to have over the West. And thirdly, the decision by Sweden and Finland to renounce neutrality and seek NATO membership. This is going to hugely beef up security across Northern Europe. And on top of these, we can sprinkle a whole potpourri of other actions, like Ukraine applying to join the EU, Estonia planning to build a wall, Finland planning to build a fence along its Russian border, Poland already building a fence on the Kaliningrad border. Incidentally, this reminds me that anything that can be weaponized by Russia and its associates is being used in that way, including Russia weaponizing energy by closing pipelines, food by blocking grain shipments, and Belarusia weaponizing immigrants from Africa and the Middle East by allowing them to travel to Minsk, then transporting them to the Polish border. There's no doubt that in 2022, what that report called Europe's New Frontline States Scandinavia, the Baltic Three and Poland have all woken up and smelt the vodka. And out here on North Europe's western coastline, how are things faring? Well, in the course of just a few months, we've seen what can only be described as a rude awakening. You might be tempted to compare Norway to the emperor suddenly realising he wasn't clothed in the latest finery at all, but was arse-naked. Or perhaps Norway might be better described as a sleepwalker who careered straight into a concrete wall. And what was that wall? Hmm, well, let me remind you of the headline on Monday, September 26th this year. Huge explosions registered at Nord Stream pipelines. It turned out that sabotage at four places had put the two gas pipelines out of action. Immediately, 
Denmark and Sweden formed a crisis team to handle the situation. In petroleum state Norway, the Minister for Energy was asked that same day what actions his country was taking to protect oil and gas pipelines. He replied that, well, it was up to the oil companies who operated in the North Sea to ensure a secure and reliable supply of energy. What? It was like an alarm going off. As one humorist put it, so let me get this straight. If the Russians move forces into the far north of Norway, it's up to the reindeer farmers to fight them off? The sleepwalker woke, startled and with a bump on his head. One day later, the energy minister had to address the Foreign Affairs Committee with a revised strategy. <laughs> it would, of course, be the police and defence forces who assumed responsibility for protecting offshore installations. In the days that followed, the Home Guard were sent to secure mainland energy installations and Coast Guard vessels patrolled pipelines. Reality had dawned. One researcher at the Naval War College wrote, We must assume that the Russian mines have already been placed on Norwegian gas pipelines. They will explode if Putin gives the order. They can be used to blackmail the Norwegian government. You can't have both gas export to Europe and weapons export to Ukraine. A large handful of Russians who were discovered flying drones near oil and gas installations were arrested. And in a move that the police came to regret, they asked the public to report any suspicious movements in the sky. A regret because there was a surprisingly large number of Norwegians who couldn't distinguish between a drone and a passenger jet, or the planet Jupiter. In late October, a lecturer at the University of Tromsø was arrested, suspected of being an undercover Russian spy. Brazilian José Jamaria was in fact Mikhail Valerievich Mikushin on a deep cover mission for Russian military intelligence. If you've seen the acclaimed TV series The Americans, you'll know all about the damage undercover agents can do when integrated deep in our society. Huh, that's the third TV series I've mentioned that seems to mirror how things are going in international relations. And it brings us full circle. Writer Jules Nesper tells that when he first came up with the idea for the series Occupied, he had trouble convincing the producers. When I presented this idea, he told The Guardian, they said, mm, the problem is, it's a bit far-fetched. A Russian occupation. Yeah, they don't really shoot people, you know. Well, today we know that Putin's military are willing to destroy hospitals and blocks of flats, to rape women and butcher whole villages of civilians, to annex parts of Ukraine and call them Russia, 
to imprison protesters holding up blank pieces of paper. And yes, they really do shoot people. In a world like this, the concept of far-fetched has rather lost its meaning. We live in interesting times. Why, even a comedian playing the president of Ukraine on TV might think he's got a chance of actually becoming president. Next time, Norwegians can't even agree what their country is called. Is it Norge or Noreg? But for now, tusen takk for at du hørte på. Thanks for listening. And if you love the cool north, tell all your cool friends. <laughs>